Welcome Tinker's Toy and Hobby, the amazing YouTube channel that you guys document your journey and experience in routing your mini claw machines and your bulk vending machines. So how are you guys doing? Pretty good. It's good. Yeah, not too much sun today, but nice day nonetheless. <laughs> nice, nice. So I'll kick it off with a question you guys probably get asked pretty frequently. How did you guys get started with your routing and vending claw machines? So we kind of um, thought about doing just about anything that we could think of our first year before we even got into our first machine. Um, it ended up coming down to a point where we wanted to just look into enough of anything and vending was the thing that we kept coming back to more than anything else. And eventually we ended up getting into our first bulk rack because we thought that having one thing that can have that many choices would be a really good way to start, offer more variety in what we were doing. And it might be one of the best things that we could do to just get started and end up being one of the best decisions we made at the time. So we're happy about it. And it just became an impulse decision in the moment, but something that we thought about way before that, it just was a matter of, are we going to make the foot forward or is this just all theory in our heads? So. Mm -hmm. We literally ordered our first machine at like midnight one night just because yeah. we, we thought about it for so long. We decided, you know, we're either going to do this or we're not. So so you guys started off with your bulk machines? Yeah, one bulk machine had about seven heads on it, I think. Sticker, oh. candy, some toys, and then um, one just little tiny three-head sticker machine. That was our, our two first machines, and those ended up being our favorite machines even today with all of the claws that we have now, those are still our favorite machines. I think they oh. were a good first thing to start with. And then where, where did the, the rack lead into the mini claws? What, what point did you guys decide to add the mini claws onto the route? So when we very first started out, we didn't actually realize that, I, I guess we didn't put two and two together, that claws were a form of vending up until, uh, you know, we started going nope. through candy machines, new stock and I think he had started watching some YouTubers at the time that had started doing the claws. So it kind of just came from getting more involved with the community and kind of seeing what other people had started doing. And at some point we just realized, you know, it's basically an extension of what we're already doing. So we decided we were going to try one. Um, I think right now we have two mini claws out and a Magicka, and then we have three more mini claws on the way. So we've definitely decided to go further in that direction as opposed to continuing to get the bull cracks. Um, the bull cracks are a little, little bit more time consuming to maintenance and they're super fun. So, I mean, we're going to continue to keep the ones that we have on hand, but um, in the future, I think we're airing more into the claw territory. Uh, when it comes to this stuff, there's a lot of options and it sounded like you guys just did a spur of the moment decision, but when it came to deciding on whether or not you're going to do vending machine, like full size vending machines or mini claws or full size claws, any of that kind of stuff, what was the determining factor that led you guys to doing what you're doing? I think it was the startup cost because a lot of what um, kind of inhibits people from starting a business is whether they can afford it or if it's something that's going to be kind of sustainable for their time if they have, you know, stuff like rent or car payments they need to do. So one really cool thing about doing a bulk rack was it was a much cheaper option to get into that had the most variety of options that we could provide to a certain, you know, customer base and hopefully get as much money as we could at the time was our thinking with the less amount of money. So it was a good way for us to practice, you know, what kind of toys work, what kind of candy works, you know, is there things that don't work? You know, we didn't honestly, I don't think expect it, um, bulk to be long-term. We didn't ex expect it to succeed. We just knew that it was something that if we tried, we could kind of knock out a few birds with one stone, find out is toys and candy and stickers worth it. And it just became one of those things that, you know, the more we did it, it was, you know, worth our time to keep trying to work on more. 
And then I think the the thing that's kept us from getting into some of the bigger machines, I mean, even mini claws, I think, are about as big as we've gone at this point. And I think that's how it's probably going to stay for the foreseeable future, because, you know, when it comes to moving some of those bigger machines, mm-hmm. you know, you might need a pallet jack, you might need yeah. extra negotiating with the actual location, you know, can we drop this off this day if this day doesn't work for you, you know, there's just a lot more extra work that goes into moving it, placing it. Um, They're obviously a little bit more expensive if you can't find them used. So for us, I think the claws offer a lot of convenience with their size and with their um, availability when it comes to price. Um, It's a lot more accessible for people that are just starting out. Um, and that's kind of why we continue to stick with them, especially when you start getting into Alibaba and some of the more cost-effective options. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. It takes probably four, four of us, three or four of us to move a vending machine. So, uh-huh. yeah, and it's just um, the two. So we try to yeah, stick with yeah. things that are within our what we yeah. can do. Even the full size claw machines. I know I just sold one last night out of my house. It wasn't working, but that even was I think it was two hundred seventy five pounds for a twenty five inch claw, and then I have a big one at a bowling alley, and that's three hundred seventy five pounds. Wow! They're just, yeah, they're they're really hard to transport, but. We've been nervous getting into bigger ones just because we got a Magic Cut, which was only a 16-inch machine versus the Mini Claws, and even that little difference made it so much heavier and such a... I thought we were going to break it when we first moved it because it kept tipping over and not moving, (laughs) so just a 4-inch difference made such a big amount of weight difference, so 30 inches we've been kind of terrified of even trying since then. (laughs) Yeah, so with your guys' route, how many locations are you at, and then how many machines in total... Um, are at all those locations? So right now we have 10 machines across seven different locations. Um, Most of those are the bulk options. um, And we're just now starting to get some claw machines out onto our routes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also have three more claw machines on the way through Alibaba. And then um, we have, I think, five or six different just miscellaneous honor box locations. And we're still kind of trying to decide whether or not those are even worth the time. Because it seems like most of the places we have those boxes right now, like they're not really interested or the type of place yeah. where you would want a bigger machine. And then, you know, obviously we had a video out recently that showed some of them have a really high theft rate. And that's kind of something you expect. But for the amount of time it takes to go out and service those and all of the like they're scattered everywhere. It just so far hasn't seemed to be super worth it, but it was worth a try. <laughs> So with your guys' locations, obviously you have seven of them, so you've expanded over time. How do you guys find your locations, and then how do you decide whether it's worth it or not to be at the location and worth your time and money? Yeah, so it kind of helps. We've lived in this small town for quite a while, so we've kind of like reached out in our scope, knowing what we knew about each location and having people know us, which was a really big help in the beginning. People kind of could trust us more than just a random solicitor of vending. So we started with what we had here and knowing who we knew to get to that point. And so we didn't look too much at foot traffic and we didn't look too much at, you know, the customer base more as, you know, these are people who we trust and who can trust us kind of to start our portfolio and expand to places that people didn't know us because we had what we already started and we had the customer base that we grew and, you know, the business relationship with people that we never had previously. So it was a good way to start. And I think I would suggest to anyone who starts vending, if you know business owners or if you know any, you know, kind of clientele in your area, I would start with them to kind of grow your business resume, so to speak. And that kind of lets you get into a point where you're meeting new people and you grow confidence in speaking to them and you kind of have more to show for than someone who's, you know, brand new to the game and maybe don't know who they're, you know, what they're talking about. So. 
And then one thing that we do now that, you know, our portfolio is built and we're going out and, you know, getting locations with people that we don't know. One of the biggest things we look for is their Google reviews. I've heard some people say that they check Yelp reviews too, but honestly, I've just never really used Yelp. So I don't know how much they actually speak for the business itself. Um, But we try to stick to places that have like 500 to 1,000 reviews on them because it just kind of shows more that they're established. Um, And then obviously, you know, seeing whether or not they have a good track record. It just, that has helped us... um, find some places that our machines have done really well so far. Um, we actually just picked up a location this last weekend um, that has a really good reputation. So um, I think just checking to see how the reviews are, usually if they're in the higher uh, range, you can expect more traffic to that location. Um, but, yeah. you know, you also just want to know that the people that you're working with are, you know, they have a good reputation and they keep their customers happy. So, yeah, I, I know personally that, when I started out, I got a few trash locations and I just was kind of really jumping into the game. And then I ended up with, I, I have an arcade in a restaurant and then it, I put probably $2,000 in machines into it and it's currently making around a little over a hundred dollars a month. So it's, right, nice. it's not where it's, um, for, for that amount of machines, it's not where it should be, but I kind of see what you mean when it comes to analyzing these locations, have you guys learned your lessons in any way where you get a location and it doesn't do as well? Well, we've heard a lot about, um, I, I guess some of the places that we had always heard suggested as like really easy places to get into is barbershops. We, mm. I don't think we'll ever place in a barbershop again. Um, we actually gave that location to a friend and, uh, we also, we personally just don't like placing in bars if we can avoid it i think we started to make a little bit more of an exception like when it comes to looking at maybe sports lounges where it's a little bit it's not like a brawl bar it's more of like a classy location um but for the most part you know we try to keep our machines you know where our audience is going to be we mostly provide novelty machines so it's going to be you know children and most kids can't go into a bar (laughs) so um that's just a place that we've learned you know we prefer not to place if we can avoid it um but yeah, there, some of the locations that are recommended most when you first start out, like schools and DMVs and airports and stuff, those are going to be really difficult to get into. But you also have those smaller locations that are easier to get into, but they're just not going to be worth your time. So when it comes to vending, my goal is to make my money back within five to ten months. When, when it comes more specifically at the mini clause, um, how what what time frame are you guys shooting for to make your money back? Obviously, it's a, a usually a twelve hundred dollar machine to buy. So, yeah, that's pretty much what we try to shoot for too. You know, ten months being kind of on the high end, maybe a year, depending on the location, because you kind of have to practice when you start and see if it's a good you know place to start with. Five to ten is usually what we go for. We do have some small exceptions. Um, we have a um, specifically a bulk machine. It's just a three head that we have at a, a local fudge ice cream shop that we don't think we're going to have an ROI for like a year or two maybe, oh, but okay. we keep it there because the business relationship and knowing that that guy is planning on growing to a bigger um, building that has better you know, foot traffic and has more seating areas. So we have certain exceptions like that where we're more investing into his ability to grow than our own. Um, but almost with any location we shoot for at this point, we are trying to find places that, yeah, shoot for a five or 10 month, because that's really, I think, the general idea that you want to get your money back quickly and start being able to make profit past that point. And that's one of the great things about the Alibaba machines is, you know, if you're looking at a at a claw from candy machines, I think we were talking about it, the roll over income is, it, it just takes a lot longer to make back versus with Alibaba, you're looking at a machine that's maybe, you know, a third, a quarter of the price, and you can make that same rollover income 
quicker, like enough to pay itself back um, way sooner, I guess. I think in the future, we're going to be sticking with Alibaba, at least for most of our uh, bulk routes, because we are trying to get more of orders three to five at a time rather than one. And for the cost difference, like Mm -hmm. she said, it just makes so much more sense to try to shoot for getting three machines out, having an ROI of like maybe 10 months versus getting one machine out with an ROI of five. So we can get our route growing a lot quicker. And then in the next year, have 12 machines out rather than six. So that's what we're trying to shoot for at the moment. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with the Alibaba thing because from YouTubers like Extreme Vending and everything on YouTube, they're showing their their collections for eight hundred dollars a month and stuff like that. You start to think, should I invest this big, this nice claw machine that's going to last? But when you come down to it, and the claw machine is making more than it's worth in every month, who cares if you have to replace it every uh-huh. year? Right. So exactly, just get the extra parts at that point. Yeah, yeah. And then are you guys at the point where you're working on the business full time or maybe one of you working on it full time? So he uh, he right now is doing four days a week at his uh, job and I'm doing three. So we are, I think, working towards that direction. I think one thing that we always talk about is it's gotten to the point in its first year that it almost feels like we have a third income at this point. Like there's a third person helping us with bills and helping us grow the business. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I think long term, we're hoping to make it a full term, a full time thing. Um, One of the great things about the jobs that we do now is we were able to kind of shave it from five days a week for both of us down like a day every few months when whenever we grew. And our jobs are flexible enough to where they're both pretty aware that we are trying to work on our business on the side. So sometimes we can just, you know, run out for a second, make a quick call. And we've gotten some of our locations doing that just over the phone. And we've been able to be really transparent about like, this is kind of what we do more than anything. But, you know, we're here for the time we are. And over time, we expect to shave, you know, to two days a week each and then one day and then eventually just tap, you know, get rid of it all together. But it's a good job for both of us that knows that we have kind of an end goal and it's not going to be there. And they're supportive of that. So it's not a job that we regret having either. So I have a claw machine in a bowling alley, and I've noticed that it's really, really inconsistent with its income. It's pretty seasonal when it comes to, like, summer. I've seen it pull three or $400 a month, and then fall, it makes even more than that. But then when it comes to spring, I'm lucky if it even breaks $100. I'm wondering with you guys and then your ambitions to turn this into a full-time thing, do you have any locations that you see are really seasonal? And do you plan on changing anything about that if it is? So... Our entire business is very seasonal, um, but not to the degree that we were expecting. Um, I think with it mostly being novelty, I think this is the first year that we've actually gotten to see what the school year does to it. We were expecting a catastrophic dip. Um, We're still on track to make about two thirds of what we make in the summer every month consistently so far. Um, So there, there definitely is a noticeable dip, but it's not so much so that it's, you know, impossible to maintain the business during that time. One of the things that we mentioned about having like over half of our route in a local small town that we are in is kind of where our risk comes in because um, whenever winter hits heavy and there's a lot of snow, there was a point a couple of years ago where this whole town went out of power for like two weeks. So should something like that happen again, it brings our income like way down, like probably 75% because we'll have no power in half of our route and then you know the other half will just be slowed down because of the winter and then Mm -hmm. equally so you know we happen to live in a town where you know half of our routes in a spot that does a lot of events like we're in a 
really sure. heavy biking city. So during the summer, they do a ton of biking events and that by default brings a lot more business into some of those locations that we have. So it, it's a hit or miss. There's some months where it's a super good thing and there's some months where it's a not so good thing. I think we're going to see by this winter how much of a big difference it makes because last winter wasn't so bad here. But I think this is going to be the tell sign for what we should be expecting the years you know, past this point. So what are your guys' plans with expanding throughout the next few years here? Are you going to be moving into other towns or are you going to be sticking with your town or how are you going to go about it? We eventually would like to move to a busier area and have things kind of within a five minute distance, kind of like how we've been here, but in a better foot traffic town. Um, Right now, this is going to be kind of our strict goal this year is we're working on three machines at a time. Um, We're kind of giving ourselves like a $3,500 budget every three months. And we are taking the existing route we have plus the new machines, and we're going to be consistently paying those off. And in that budget, because we're going through Alibaba, and that's like 2000 for three machines, we're trying to get about three to six months worth of product to stock all of our machines with. So that way we don't have to, from our route, pull money to restock every month or every time we do our pull. We can just put it all out in one big sum pay that off every three, four months, and then just consistently do that throughout the year and hopefully get about 12 machines out and have stock along the way. So right now our route is kind of split 50-50 between our local small town and then some towns further out. Um, I think we're placed in three other towns further out, but they're all within like a little cluster. So we're hoping with these newer um, claw orders to go out to those further towns and start kind of padding in the apps, I guess, so that by the time, you know, we're ready to move down to that location, we have most of our route down there. And then this is kind of like the detour we take as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, I saw you guys have a pretty beautiful drive to those. I think those. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. Well, this is more of a personal question, but what do you guys like to do in your free time when you're not working on your vending business? Working on our vending business. <laughs> no, um, we, we spend so much of our free time working on the business now. It feels more like a full-time job than anything. But I mean, besides that, if you take like 90% of that away, I mean, I really like painting, drawing, and reading. You know, she's really good at crocheting. She loves making videos you know taking walks we, like you said we live in a really nice area so getting out and just walking sometimes is like refreshing enough and more good ideas come out of that but i can't think of a single time really in the last year where i did not at least spend some part of my day thinking about vending or how it was going to grow and i don't really regret that yeah yeah i, know, I totally know what you mean it's just always in your head 24 7 yeah, it's maddening. <laughs> it's great to be doing something that we can enjoy spending our free time on because, you know, it's like he was saying, I really enjoy content creation. I have, you know, since I was 14. So it's nice to have found a way to work that into what we're trying to work towards and still be able to enjoy what we're doing in our free time. One of the things that's kind of fun for both of us to do, I think, at this point is kind of talking to other people and getting their scope of how they got to the point they are in their own industries, whether it's real estate or, you know, property management or whatever. So one of the fun things to go do, especially in a small town where, you know, you don't get to see a lot of people doing stuff like that is going out and trying to just figure out how they got to that point, what small businesses propelled them to get to a bigger height. And it kind of gives us a a scope of how they got to the point in their industry and how we can kind of apply it to our own. And it's kind of fun just to talk to people and hear their stories, you know, in general, but it does make a big difference to not only hear vending perspective about how to grow, but hear like real estate agents or insurance companies and just, you know, hearing what they did because it almost always will apply in the same ways where their mindset was so focused on what they did and, you know, talking to other people and knowing people rather than, you know, knowing what they knew, they knew who, 
they could talk to to get to those points. So I think learning from other people is such a really important thing, no matter what you do. Yeah, I know one of my biggest inspirations, he's in real estate and he pretty much, he's like, you want to get into business? I, I mean, obviously you don't have a lot of money. You should probably try out this vending stuff and maybe one day you can build it up to doing bigger and better things like real estate. Smart. Long term, we're looking at maybe, I, I don't know, there's so many different things we've considered, just like he was saying in the beginning, you know, we, we looked at a ton of different things, but obviously vending was the most successful at the time. Um, but we're hoping that this business venture is going to be something that can fund our next business venture. Mm. Um, not that we ever, I think at this point, really plan to drop vending altogether, just because it's something we enjoy doing. But, um, you know, we've looked into the idea of starting an arcade or starting a laundromat or I mean, long term, when we're older, we'd like to be investing in real estate itself. Um, so there's a ton of different things that we we want to try someday. But ultimately, vending is going to be the starting point for all of that. Yes, it sounds like we're pretty much in the same mentality here of uh, vending <laughs> is more of a gateway into other things. I know personally, exactly. I, I just toured a laundromat last week that's uh, going up for sale. I'm, I don't have the funds to buy it at all at the moment, but it's still fun to walk through it and see what possibly my future is going to look like. And uh, yeah. In the small area that you you guys are in, have you seen any, have you met with any business owners of stuff like laundromats that you guys want to do in the future? Or um, Not laundromats. We did talk to the owner of a bowling alley and asked him how he got to that point. Um, you know, it's kind of disheartening. He's not really passionate much about his business. I think he kind of, you know, says he is, but you can tell that his heart's not in it. He doesn't treat his customers that great. And he, uh, doesn't treat his vending machines good that he has on site. He doesn't really work on the bowling alley side. So he was kind of not the best example, which was, you know, a bummer because we really wouldn't mind owning a bowling alley and kind of having, you know, a little toy store and an arcade in there. But um, one of the things I like to do is there's a lady who owns a real little real estate office down the street and she, um, she never really gets that much company, but she's owned like a salon. She's owned a car dealership and a bunch of other stuff. So even though she's a little real estate office, she is a multi-business owner. And so hearing from her alone is really nice. And then the fudge and ice cream shop guy is really cool because he used to just have a little cart he pushed at events. And now he's, you know, has his own shop, plans to grow bigger. So we kind of just look at people who are open to talking to us and we keep those connections. We don't really pass along you know, once we've gotten what we need, we like to, you know, get to know them kind of as friends and go from there. And I think one thing that's really cool about the jobs that we do right now, even though we are, you know, having to work a job on the side of vending is, you know, we both work around much older people. So mm. we're getting to hear all about, you know, how they got to this point in their life and, you know, all of the different things that they tried. And it's nice to kind of have people around you that you can learn from. Um, I actually have a grandmother on my side that has, you know, she worked on a radio show, she owned a vineyard, she, she's just done all sorts of wild things in her life. And it's so cool to just have other people that have tried all of these different things, because you kind of get to learn from them a little bit without having to go do all of those things yourself. So when it comes to your guys' YouTube channel, do you plan on hopefully growing that into something where you can somewhat rely off that income as well and turning it into... So Even that's more. actually something that happened uh, this month, which we were not expecting at all, because I've always read, you know, you don't really start seeing sponsorships until you hit that 5,000 subscriber mark. We actually got our first sponsorship deal this oh, month, which was super awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're at the pace that we've seen it grow over the last few months. You know, we would like to see it eventually be something that could supplement the vending a little bit, um, maybe even start making that amount on its own. Um, but yeah, I think that that whole looking at it as a business of its own mindset 
has really made a difference in the quality of our content and the the ambition that we have to actually go out and create new content. Um, we've started looking at it more like a business than a hobby, um, which I think has made a huge difference. Yeah, I, it's kind of cool to see where I'm sure people like Quick Play, and then there's a guy who owns. I'm completely blanking on his name, but he owns a laundromat in Ohio, and he runs a YouTube channel as well. And both of them, I'm sure they they probably pull more money off their YouTube channels than they do their vending business. But then it's also cool to see people like Extreme Bending, where he probably doesn't make that much money off his YouTube. He probably makes more off of, of affiliates on his Discord than right. he does any of his YouTube. And then the vending, it seems like it pulls like tens of thousands of dollars for him with all of his mini claws. Do you mean investment joy? I was trying to think yep, of the name. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, he's, he's a joy. Yeah, he, he, he showed a report of where his laundromat, he's like, yep, it profited 5000 this month. Car wash mm-hmm. profited five thousand. My YouTube channel made you know measly eighteen thousand dollars. Every <laughs> time I watch his stuff, yeah, I just yeah, you know uh, that he was joking about it. <laughs> Every time I watch his stuff, I look at all the piles of quarters he has in buckets, and I just wonder if he's going through them for silver coins. That's all I ever think about. Yeah, yeah, he said that he's uh, no, no, it wasn't him. It was another laundromat guy. But there's a machine where they bought, and it was like it can sort the silver quarters and everything. Yeah. I know this is like a small, like little improvement, but one thing that I've noticed that I can tell is like a little base for our channel or not our channel or our business growing is we went through like 18 pulls when we first started and we found our first silver coin. So we almost never found them. And it seems like now when we go do our collections, I've been finding one almost every time. And I mean, I sort through hundreds and hundreds of coins every time, but it's nice to find silver coins. It's like, if this is happening, obviously the business is growing because it took us like a whole year in the beginning to find one. So it's cool. I love collecting coins. So that makes me happy by itself. Yeah, I just I just got a, a dollar coin. It was like from nineteen eighty something, but it was a dollar oh. coin. It's, it's not it's not the greatest, but I it's the first time I've ever seen anything other than quarters and nickels and dimes yeah. in the vending machine. So that's pretty good. <laughs> well, we're gonna wrap up the end of the show here. Where would someone go if they want to see more of you? You know, YouTube channel. Or- so obviously, we um, mostly do YouTube content right now. We have our TikTok set up and we're working on our Instagram a little bit. But um, I think our YouTube is really the big thing where people can kind of go check out what we do a little bit. Um, yeah, we share vending vlogs and a little bit of behind the scenes, how we started. We try to answer some questions for some new people that are just getting into it. Yep. yep. And then that's Tink- Tinker's Toy and Hobby. And I'll link that in the description. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll put that on top of the video card. It was a real blast having you guys on it. Do you guys have anything else to say before we go? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how much your channel grows over the year and being able to keep in touch with all the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you guys as well. Yep. I'll see you guys later, and I wish you guys the best of luck. You too. Thank you.